Good morning to everyone. I'm Logan Spoon. I'm the assistant pastor over youth and worship, and it's a, it's a joy to be able to come together to, to talk about God's Word, to hear from God's Word together with you. Uh, so if you have a Bible with you, turn to Psalm 19. Uh, if you don't, the order of worship, the bulletin as you walked in, one of the flaps has, has, the, uh, has the verse on there, has the scripture on there. Uh, so let's hear from God's word, and then we'll pray and ask for his help as we dive in. So Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There's no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Let's pray to God. God, this is what we want to be true of us. We want every word out of our mouths, every beat of our hearts to be praise to you, to be honor to you, to be glory to you. And we pray that more and more would you make that true of us. And we pray that you'd help us to understand this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, on Christmas Eve, after we left the service here at Hope, the Spoon family, uh, my wife and my four kids, we decided we were going to go out and we were going to find Christmas lights. And uh, so Joy had packed, uh, grabbed some hot cocoa packets from home, and she heated them up downstairs, and we got everybody packed in. I did not have hot cocoa, because not liking chocolate, that would have been anti-celebration for me. But we got hot cocoa, and we took off. And Joy heard a rumor down on West Randolph somewhere there was a light display somewhere that we needed to find. And so we took off, and we kind of went down the road, and we were going, and it was snowing. And we kind of saw something off the road, and we turned in on the street, and there was this display. And... There were lights everywhere, like in the trees, on the roof. There were blinking, you know, ho, 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 and Merry Christmas, and stuff was everywhere. It even had a sign sitting in the yard that declared it to be the 2016, like, Christmas lights winner. And so we were just, we were in wonder, this is awesome. And we thought, there's, maybe we should just go home now, because, I mean, this is the winner. This was last year's winner. It couldn't, nothing could top this. But we thought, you know, there's other houses. Let's give them a shot. And so we drove not very far, and we saw it. And I tried to get a picture to pull up, and it wouldn't. So come find me if you want to see a picture of this house. 
but we stopped on the road, and we didn't even turn onto the street. We just looked over, and our, like our jaws were just hanging open. I mean, this house brought it. There were, it was completely covered. There was even a soccer goal in the side yard that was decorated, like down the string, everywhere. And kind of like the glory, if you will, of this house, it was spilling over. There didn't need to be streetlights. The neighbor's yards were lit up. <laughs> it made us really embarrassed for our one little string of lights on our house, at our house, so I was glad we didn't live nearby there. But this house, it, it made us, it was so jaw-dropping, and we, we started to like go, I wonder who's responsible for this. Like, who are the people inside that did this? And it's, it kind of was a picture of what glory does to us, or rather what it should do to us. It kind of leaves us in wonder. Because today is the last day of 2017. It's almost over. And so a lot of us are looking over this past year and kind of wondering, you know, what, what did I do with my year? What did, I, what did I accomplish? Was it all worth it? And then tomorrow we're going to look forward and be thinking, what am I supposed to do with this new year? Now it's a new year. Now new possibilities. What am I supposed to be doing? How am I supposed to be spending my time this year? Because we all know we're living our lives, we want to know that we're living our lives well and doing what we were made to do. Psalm 19 is actually going to help us understand what we're supposed to be doing here. Because most of us, I mean, when was the last time you were like David, like we're going to read, just kind of stopped and just went, wow, God. When was the last time you and I stopped and did that? Because it's easy to treat God's glory like the one little strand of puny Christmas lights hanging on the hanging on the wall. Our response to God's glory is shallow and weak because we misplace it. We give God's glory to other things. So Psalm 19, we need it. We need to know how we are supposed to be spending our time this year and every year, which is bringing glory to God. So how do we go from misplacing God's glory to actually giving it to God? Stop giving it to other things and give it to Him. Well, we've got to learn from the things that are already giving God glory. Psalm 19 tells us about this. Creation, the first six verses, creation is bringing glory to God. How is it doing that? And we see it in the first couple of verses. Creation is speaking. Look at the words David uses in the first two verses. The heavens declare. The sky proclaims. The day is pouring forth speech. The night is revealing knowledge. Creation is speaking all the time about God's glory, and it's, it's been doing that since it was made. The way David words verse 1, there's all this stuff that I can't remember from seminary, all this Hebrew stuff, that the way he words that, the scholars know that he's thinking about the creation story in Genesis 1. And in there, God says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So David is trying to say that it's not just a small string of Christmas lights, but everything that exists down here and up there and everywhere in between is bringing glory to God. It is lighting up everything, and it's leaving David in wonder about the God who created it. But it's not just the physical things that are sitting out there. It's not just the trees and the snow and the roads. 
It's even David sees glory in the daily rhythms of life. Look at verse 2. He sees glory in the way Sunday becomes Monday and Monday becomes Tuesday in the way the days move from one to the other. He imagines that they're speaking, you know, day to day. They pour forth speech. The image is almost like a stream of water kind of bubbling up. It's talking. It's speaking to us. And the night is revealing knowledge. Most of us understand that day turns into night, and then we sleep for a little while, and then day comes back, and then it's night. Even in this rhythm, he's saying, that's God's glory. Look at it. Pay attention to it. And the night is revealing knowledge about God's glory. What else do we need to know from creation? What can we learn from creation about God's glory? Look at 3 through 6, verses 3 through 6. The, it's going out, it's speaking about God's glory, and 3 through 6 tells us everybody is hearing it. Everybody's hearing it. We have to acknowledge that if you're reading this and you look at it, it is a little confusing because trees don't talk. Mountains don't talk. The, the day coming up, uh, I'm not hearing any words. So he, the uh, Psalms are Hebrew poetry. So he's using images to, to try to convey this. So he's saying creation is speaking, but it's not in a way that's being heard by our ears. Everyone is hearing its voice. Well, what is he talking about? So verse 3, their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them, he has set a tent for the sun. The way the Hebrew poetry works is if one line's kind of mysterious and you don't really understand what is, what is this verse talking about, they're meant to be read together. So read on, read like the next verse, and it may help you understand the previous verse. And in this case, we've got to kind of clump these verses together to understand what he's going, going for. David says that creation's voice is reaching all people in all nations over all the earth. And then he mentions the sun. Why? What's the point of the sun? Verse 5. The sun, he says, comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber. See the kind of poetic imagery he's using? Well, he's helping us see it. It's going out. It's hitting everyone. Why bring up the sun? Why bring up a bridegroom? The sun is a created thing that everybody experiences. When he mentions the bridegroom in that time, the, the bridegroom would leave his chamber, and it wouldn't be shut up in a church with only family and friends. He would leave his chamber, and it would be a community public event. So as he is decked out and as he's going to meet his bride, everybody's seeing it. Everybody is experiencing the wonder of him going to meet his bride. It's a public thing. And when he says the strong man in this verse, you get the image of an athlete, an athlete that is running. It's a public event. You're watching this athlete do what he was designed to do. The sun, he says, is doing what it was designed to do. It's coming up. It is running its course. And just like a bride coming out or an athlete in action, we all see it. We all experience what it means to see the sun and feel the heat of it. Verse 6 even says that. It says, nothing is hidden from its heat. So can you kind of see what he's making, this point he's making about God's glory? It is singing a song to us all the time, continuously. 
in the nights, in the days, the sun, the moon, the stars, the seasons, the rhythms. It's all declaring God's glory. It's a song to us about the glory, not of the creation, but about the one who made it. So creation is speaking kind of silently. It's not using words, but it's in a way that all of us are getting it. Now, a a few weeks ago, not this past, though, not yesterday, and I think not the one before, but before that, where it was big enough to kind of cover, the snow was big enough to cover the driveways, uh, I kind of got a glimpse of this. I could hear our boys. We have three boys and a, a little girl, but the boys were excited about the snow. They saw it. It was almost like the snow was like, calling to them from outside nothing was being said but they heard the call of the snow they wanted to get out in it last year i remember nathan our oldest he spent two hours outside making this snow fort just out there by himself digging in the snow and making holes and even our our son ian the other day he was supposed to be going from the house to the van but he wasn't in the van because he was over there rolling around in the snow and it's It's almost like the glory of the snow was like calling to them. But you know what I saw when I heard the snow call? You know what I heard? Yes. I saw a chore. I saw a chore that I didn't have time or the motivation to actually tackle. I saw a mess that was going to have to be cleaned up and I was going to have to deal with it. I wanted to get away from the snow. And this psalm psalm shows me I do not hear God's glory very well. I do not hear that song very well. A lot of times God's glory seems like a father to me. So it's the last day of 2017. And many of us are thinking about those New Year's resolutions, right? So one article I read said the top resolutions are weight loss, more exercise, food management, quit smoking, get a hobby, get in a good relationship, or get out of a bad one. And we're thinking about how to bring glory into our lives and make positive changes in 2018. The problem is that God is telling us that we have misplaced that glory because very few of those resolutions are about recognizing the astounding beauty and glory of God. Many of us place the glory on ourselves or we place it on a reputation, or we place it on some sort of success. And few of us look at the, look at creation and see that there is a song going on. Here's a simple resolution. Try this. I tried it on the way here this morning. Spend five minutes a day just looking at creation all around you. See God's glory and praise Him for it. There's snow on the ground Look at it. God, it's a chore sometimes. Look at the wonder of snow, that that precipitation does that. Look at the sky. Look at the sun that's warming the planet. It's not too hot, but it's not too cold. It's just near enough to where we are okay and plants grow. What a glorious God. Spend five minutes doing that this week or this year. So it can be really hard to hear that song, to hear creation's song, and then but then you have to make sure you're actually interpreting it correctly because a lot of other religions see glory in the trees and the mountains and the streams, but they say God is in the streams, God is in the tree, God is the mountain. So how do we know we're hearing things correctly? Well, we need God's word. We need the commandments. 
So look at 7 through 10, verses 7 through 10, the commandments bring glory to God. How do they do that? So you're going to see, you probably noticed when we read it, there's a pattern in these verses. David, who's the author of this psalm, David's going to tell us something about the glory of God, and then he's going to tell us a positive effect that it has in the life of the believer. So we're not going to have time to go through all of these, but we'll get through a couple of them so we can kind of get a picture of what is going on. Verse 7, David says, The law of the Lord is perfect. Now, if something is perfect, it lacks nothing. It's whole. It's complete. So David is saying God's law is perfect. And look at the effect it has. It revives the soul. So what does this say about you and me? actually says we are not perfect we are incomplete we lack things we are not whole we don't experience wholeness because what does what does revive mean to you know somebody gets revived they are brought back because this is kind of these resolution theme again why do we make resolutions because we realize all of us know there are things wrong. There are things that should not be there that should, and then we have things in our lives that should not be there. We experience brokenness. We experience incompleteness, and we intuitively know that wholeness is what we should be going after. So verse 7 kind of makes us look and say, is that thing, he says God's law is perfect, is the thing that we are going to put our trust in for 2018 is it perfect enough to make us whole? Is our effort perfect enough? Is our uh, willpower perfect enough? Are th- is the accountability we're going to put around us to help us achieve it, is that perfect enough to make us whole? Maybe you're a person that's not aiming for perfection. Maybe you're a person that just says, I'm just going for improvement. <laughs> I just want to improve. Look at verse 8. He says, the precepts, it's another word for instructions. The instructions of the Lord are right with the result that our hearts rejoice. So we live in a world today that either says, when it comes to the concept of right, either you make up what is right for you, you decide yourself what is right, or others will say there is no supreme definition of right. There is no right and wrong. We kind of live with the tension of those two things What Psalm 19 is saying is that the instructions or the precepts of the Lord are right. With the result that it gives to the believer, our hearts rejoice. How how many of us wouldn't want to know, my heart is rejoicing? How many of us would love to experience that right now? My heart is rejoicing inside of me. Because that's not usually how we walk around and move in this world. Our hearts are rejoicing. So how do our hearts rejoice? How has that come about? The heart in the Bible, if you, you might have heard this, is the real you. It is the true center of you. It is the real you in there. And if the real you is rejoicing, then something has happened internally. It's not just a bunch of external changes. Something's happened on the inside of you Psalm 19 is saying God's instructions, the glory of this God of the Bible 
has changed something inside of you that has caused your heart to rejoice. You have peace. Verse 9, God promises his presence. He says, the fear of the Lord is clean. Another word for that is pure, enduring forever. So David says to fear God, and that doesn't mean be terrified of him, run away and shrieking. It just means to to humbly be loyal to him, to respect him, to show him his, to show him respect. And in that day, to be in the presence of God, you would have to offer sacrifices to deal with the sin that was going on in your life. And we just celebrated Christmas. We celebrated Christmas, which was a reminder that God has provided a Savior to save us from our sins. He sacrificed himself to ensure us of his presence. And even though David wrote generations before Christ, we see the glimmers of this promise that God is promising his presence. So when I think about God's glory in the Bible, I think of a story you might have heard uh, of a pastor. Uh, The story is told by a pastor named Ravi Zacharias about a young Vietnamese Christian who was imprisoned in the 70s on accusations of helping the Americans. And while he was there, he endured daily torture and indoctrination. They tried to break his mind and convince him that the West was bad, democracy was bad, and that there was no God. And every day he would get up and pray for strength, and he would stand up and try to be strong. But as the days went on, his will started to crumble, and he says, and he says that he started to say, maybe I've been lied to. Maybe God doesn't exist. Maybe the West has deceived me. And so he decided, I give up. I will not pray today. I will not think about my faith. And so he woke up the next morning, and he had been given the job to clean the latrines, clean the toilets there, the most horrible job, which you can you probably agree is a terrible job. And so as he's cleaning these toilets, these buckets, he sees a glimmer. He sees a passage from Romans 8, and it's in English. And he picks it up, and he hides it, and he takes it and he cleans it off and it's God's promise that it's God's promise and he says it was and we and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him for I'm convinced that nothing shall separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord so he cries out for forgiveness and he immediately goes with joy and says can I clean the latrines every day because what he discovered was there was a guard who was using pages of the Bible as his toilet paper. And he was throwing them in there, and every day he was going and he was finding another piece of God's word, and he would clean it off, and he would add it to his collection. He was hungry for God's word. So would you clean a toilet for the Bible? Would you clean a toilet to get access to God's word, even a scrap? God, the creation is singing about God's glory Bible is singing about God's glory, but creation, we can look out at the mountains, it can't tell us what to do with a failed marriage. It it can't help us know what to do with a broken friendship. It can't help us know what to do with the pressures, there's a lot of students, of being a student in New Jersey. That can't help us. It's only half the story. We need the rest of the story, which is in the Bible. So if you have not opened your Bible for a long time, for whatever reason, open it. Psalm 19, if you read it, there's not a judgment of you have to get yourself, you fix yourself, then you come to the word. 
It is God's invitation to us to experience and see his glory. So open it. Read it. And if sometimes it feels like you might as well be reading Russian, because it's so confusing, you don't know what you just read, start with just one word. Start with one verse and just ask yourself, what is this saying about God? What is this saying about me? And am I supposed to do something with this? Because even those small steps helps us to start engaging our hearts and our minds to see God's glory. Well, the last four verses of this, 11 to 14, you can kind of see it switches. There's, it kind of takes on a really personal nature as, we, as David is talking about what it means to respond to God's glory. So 11 to 14, it starts by, God's, by seeing God as a father. A good father, what do they do with their children? They warn them of danger, but also talk about the benefits of actually listening to the instruction. So we first get sort of like a discipline. We see God's glory in creation. We see the Bible to understand what we're seeing and hearing. And then he starts to talk about we're accountable to actually obey and to worship. David mentions, he says, your servant. It's kind of like he's talking in third person. It's kind of like your servant. Most scholars believe that's David talking about himself. I am your servant. And he's saying your servant, so there's almost like he's wanting character growth. And most of us know if we've ever tried to change something about our character, it's hard work, and sometimes it's painful work. But he's talking about, I want character growth, and he's asking serious questions. Verse 12, who can discern his errors? Again, talking about himself. Declare me innocent from hidden faults. As God's glory seems to get closer, kind of like these New Year's resolutions, New Year's is coming, we realize that we fall far short of perfection. And David realizes that there's sins that he's not aware of, that he's committing, and then there's sins that he is keeping hidden that no one else knows about, but he does. And then verse 13, the presumptuous sins, these are kind of like the heavy-handed, really rebellious, disobedient sins that you know are wrong, but it's just, I'm doing it anyway. So we got three categories there, hidden sins that no one else knows about, sins I'm committing that I don't, I'm not aware of, and then sins I know I'm committing, I know they're wrong, but I'm doing it anyway. And he's asking to be innocent. Is that even possible? He's begging, sort of like a cancer inside. He's begging for this thing to be removed from him. And then look at verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock, my redeemer two quick things look at the completeness of this prayer he wants the things coming out of his mouth that he's doing with his lips and he wants every beat of his heart to be all about the glory of God and he knows that God can see both of those and look at the second thing he is wanting uh, he's wanting to know that God is his rock and his redeemer the rock is just like a place of safety. And a redeemer is someone who has bought you back, who's brought you back from danger. God, he wants both of those. So think about New Year's. That's where we are. New Year's Eve today, New Year's Day tomorrow. It is a mixture of knowing that you're both not good enough and knowing, and also knowing who we should be. If you 
want to yell less this year, it's because you know there's, there's a problem with anger. If, if you know that you don't talk to your neighbors enough, then there, there's a fear of ignorance. I don't know what I'll talk about with them. I'm, it's hard to get to know people. We simultaneously are in this trapped in this spot where we're not good enough, but we also know what we should be. And this, this is just a taste of where, of where we are. We are in between a place where Psalm 19 is telling us that creation's singing. It's telling us that the Word is telling us this stuff, and we want our hearts, all of us who are followers of Jesus, we want the words, every word out of our mouth to be about God's glory, and we want the heart beating in our chest to be all about God, but we know they aren't. They're just not. And so we're in this place where simultaneously we go, this is not true of me, but please make it true of me. Will it ever be true? New Year's is a time where we can recognize Jesus. Because there was one, we just celebrated Jesus at, at Christmas, was one whose every word out of his mouth was about the glory of God. And his heart continually, from the very first moment until the very end, is always about the glory of God. And he was perfectly innocent. And he valued God's glory above everything else. And then, for helpless people who were trapped like us, who needed to be bought back, he laid all of that down. He gave it away. He gave it to you and me. So that our hearts actually, when we are depressed and we're stuck, our hearts actually can be revived. We actually will one day experience a day where the things we're longing for, we won't long for them anymore because we'll actually have them. If we're lonely, we won't actually be lonely anymore. If we struggle with anger, there will be a day coming where anger will be over. There will be peace and wholeness and perfect restoration. So New Year's, our only option is we put our glory in all these other things that are not perfect enough to get us there or put it in the, the Christ, Jesus, the Savior, who laid all of that down and is giving us that and promises us that we are going to get to that day. So we will get there but for all he's done, which is what we're going to sing, for all he's done and is doing and going to do, let's give him glory today and forever. Let's pray to this God. God, you're glorious, and you are amazing, and you are astounding, and what can we say and what can we do that will capture your glory enough so that others will see it? Uh, pray that you'd help us in our weakness, help us this New Year's to remember both our weakness, but the strength of Jesus. And I pray that we would do this all to your glory for all you've done. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. And let's stand together.